You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 115 with Kelly Campbell. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, James. I'm excited to be here. Oh yeah, I'm excited for this uh, this chat because it's uh, in. We're going to get into territory that is somewhat unfamiliar uh, to me. So, you guys, uh, Kelly is an agency transformation coach uh, who works with agencies. I mean, if we want to break it down into simple terms, uh, you're going to learn how to pitch better uh, on this show, but by being, I guess, more empathetic. I don't know if that's the word that Kelly would agree with. I think it's uh, for simpletons like me. It's easy to understand. Uh, but uh, I can see here that you, I mean, uh, you talk about a lot of P's. There's a lot of <laughs> P words involved here, Kelly. Uh, purpose, positioning, people, pipeline, and profitability. I love uh, the alliteration. Is that the right word? Alliteration? Yes, you did well. I did a word good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so let's get into it, Kelly. Um, what got you into this? So my journey is really just as an agency owner. Um, I owned a cause marketing agency in New York for about 14 years and was just really unhappy at the end of the day. I knew that there was something else calling me. And um, I would say that, um, I don't know, maybe the universe just heard from me that I didn't want to do it anymore. You know, I loved my team, really, really had some uh, incredible clients. We were doing great work. But it just wasn't for me anymore. I, I sort of can boil it down to the feeling that I was meant for more. And um, fast forward now, I've been doing coaching and consulting with agencies. Uh, I sort of use the umbrella of creative media and technology agencies uh, because I don't love the words advertising or marketing anymore. I think they're super overused. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, to- I totally feel you on this. Like, Yeah, just- I just can't say it. I just literally cannot say it anymore. Yeah. Um, so I like creative media and technology because I feel like that pretty much encompasses everyone that I work with. Um, yeah, and so that's what I'm doing now, really helping agency leaders to transform their lives and therefore their agencies. Yeah, and I mean, it's... I love this because, I mean, it's not something that a lot of agency owners talk about. It's usually just like get more clients, dot, 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 you know, get more productive. Uh, So this is definitely a fresh new angle that I like. And I see you talk a lot about, I mean, a new now, like as agencies entering the new now and, and how, I guess, business development should look going into that time. Can you elaborate a little bit on what, what that means? Yeah, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, There's obviously a huge paradigm shift happening, right? We can all feel it. Um, This actually started happening well before COVID, um, certainly before all the racial strife in this country. But essentially, we were a a group of individuals who were um, pretty divided, pretty focused on execution. Uh, We couldn't do enough fast enough right? So that go, go, go mentality. Mm -hmm. It's a very, from a Buddhist perspective, it's a very masculine energy. And so what I mean by the new now and sort of changing this whole paradigm is really 
really kind of embodying more of the being energy, which is associated more with the feminine energy. So you need both of them. I want to I want to level set that you need the being and the doing energy, right? To have balance, to have integration, and I want to level set that this has nothing to do with gender. So when I say feminine <laughs> energy or masculine energy, I'm not talking about male and female. I'm literally talking about how we show up, um how we listen, how we collaborate, how we execute, how we implement um how we generate all of these different words um i think for so long from a business development perspective in particular we've been so focused on like the aggressive sort of dominant bullying style like go get the sale at all costs um it just doesn't work anymore right and we're seeing that clients are getting more savvy um they're they're really looking for specialists they're looking for people who um have experience like deep expertise and deep experience within their sectors within their verticals um they have lots of experience in that category and they're able to prove and show that they've solved pain points and challenges for others just like them that's who clients are looking to work with and people are more interested in the relationships now than they ever have been before yeah totally agree uh i guess there's a lot of that sort of uh I see a lot of information or whatever content geared towards that now. Like mm-hmm. it's they're, they're buying you. They're not buying the what, you know, because especially in agency lands, like how do you differentiate between different agencies? Like there's all this stuff like, you know, what's, what's on your website that differentiates you from the next guy or girl. Um, <laughs> so, because all agencies really, if you boil it down, the what if to so the commodity aspect it is just you know websites and marketing, get more clients, whatever. So I totally am on board with that. People buy you; they want to work with you. So, and also, I totally agree with like the the sale. I hate the salesy approach, like of um, agencies. Like, not not that I see a lot of people not a lot of them are still doing that. I guess there are in the traditional agencies that are like brick and mortar ones that I've visited, you know, in my local city, they definitely seem more like that. But uh, in the online space, I feel like at least in a lot of the ones that I deal with uh, a lot of, hopefully a lot of listeners of this show are a bit nicer. Um, (laughs) Definitely not the bully and, and sales approach, but you know, for someone just starting out in this like new style, um, where should we start? Like, how do we build skills to to improve? Well, I think that what you're talking about are really soft skills, right? Like, so this is where the intent listening or the deep listening comes into play. We should be listening 80% of the time and talking 20% of the time. Um, I think focusing on the discovery uh, really um, understanding more what the pain points are for the prospect, understanding what is on their plate, what is their motivation, what is their mindset, why did they reach out to you, Um, understanding what would help them be most successful in their role. And so if you have a really clear picture as to what that is, you can, you can create language and create a value proposition and create uh, maybe not solutions right out of the gate, because you want to be collaborative with those solutions. But you can create um, a relationship that really shows that you are deeply invested in the long term with that prospect and not just a sale, a project, do something, execute and out. Mm. Right. So it's it's building more of that trust. 
Um, so how do you build the soft skills? I think, you know, it's about being introspective. It's about practicing, practicing listening, practicing um, listening from the standpoint of, you know, listening. I, I mean, I guess there are so many ways that you can go about doing that, right? Like it's practicing at home, practicing with your kids, um, trying to become better at understanding where people are coming from. You said empathy at the beginning of the show, right? I think that's that's a great word. Um, it's how can we guide these clients? How can we become their advisors? How can we build that trust with them? That's really what all of this is. That's what sales is, right? It's like understanding what the human aspect, like what they need at the end of the day and what's going to help them advance in their role or their organization. Yeah. I, just when you were talking about this, like practice and listening, I've been trying to get better at listening for years. And like, you know, I definitely <laughs> am. Uh, I find, I don't know, I fall under this trap all the time where I go in with all the intentions of like listening better and then I just get overexcited. <laughs> it all falls away, you know, like in whether it's like a, a sales meeting like that, I'm trying to solve things really quickly, whether if in social settings, you know, maybe I've had a beer or two and I just get like super excited and like over animated and, and I definitely become less good at listening. I wouldn't say bad, but, you know, do you have any tips for someone like me who's like falls out of the habit? Like, can, is there a yeah. way to pull yourself back in? Yeah, I was going to say that's actually a great practical example of how this shows up, right? And like the fact that you are excited is not a bad thing. Inherently, people are going to want to do business with you because you have that enthusiasm, because you're an innovator, because you're an ideas guy, but they also want to know that you care and that mm. you're actually listening, right? So if you do find yourself in that situation, maybe it's about taking some notes and, and you know, I'm not saying tamp down the enthusiasm, right? Like don't, don't, tamp down who you are. I still want you to show up as, as who you are because that personality is really important in the sale. But maybe it's about taking some notes and leaving that until the end, like letting them finish so that they really believe and, and can trust that you've heard them. Mm. Right? And if you let them go a little bit more, this is from my perspective, if you let them continue to talk or you prod them with like a couple of more questions, a couple other questions as they're talking, and then you sit back, right? What you're doing is you're actually giving them the space to help you sell them better. Because as they open up, they're giving you more information. And now you can use that when you go to construct whatever the proposal is or the pitch or what have you. They're telling you how to sell them. They're telling you what's important to them. And so if you essentially use like a mirroring technique back, hey, I heard when you said X, Y, Z, right? Or in your cover letter, when you're putting your proposal together, um, you know, mirror back to them. I know that this is important for you. I know that if we were able to remove X, Y, Z from your plate, you'd have 10 more hours back in your week. And what kind of impact would that have on your life, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the things that I'm talking about, getting more in tune with the soft skills um, and mirroring back to understand what's actually important. It's sort of like the why underneath the why. So they might be coming to you with a need to say, hey, we need a new website. But actually, they don't care about whether it's a website or a lead gen tool or whatever it is. 
They care about getting more business. Well, why? Why do they care about getting more business? Well, maybe there's some kind of something struggling. Maybe there's a piece of the business that you don't know about that's actually sinking um, profit margins. And so they believe in their mind, they're being prescriptive as a client to say, hey, we believe that we need this website because we think that's going to solve our problem. But if you keep asking more and more questions and dig you know, underneath the why, mm. you may get to a point where you've realized, oh, what they need is not a website. What they need is um, maybe to fix a gap in their sales process, right? And now you really become valuable to them because you circumvented their prescriptive approach and found out exactly what the real problem was. And now they're going to work with you probably for something um that is probably a larger engagement than just the website. And mm -hmm. you might get the website down the road, but this is what I'm talking about, about relationship building. So listening is really where it starts. Yeah, that, that thing there with the digging deeper, uh, I see that getting thrown around as uh, the, the five whys concept I've seen it mentioned as. So like, you know, you get the original reason, you know, they want a website, well, why? Um, you know, why they want the website, they explain that to you and then asking why again and not stopping until you've done five. Obviously, you know, there are exceptions to this rule. You shouldn't always do five. I think weird, hard rules like that are a bit funny, but it also makes the conversation super awkward, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it, uh, there's got to be a natural level of uh, flow right, to it, right. but I I like the concept of just digging yeah. deeper, right? You know, I've heard a yeah. story once um, with Adam Hempy um, from Better Proposals. I interviewed him once and they followed that kind of technique. And in the end, you know, they came to them for a, we a website, quote unquote, a website. And uh, they were trying to do all this like conversion type stuff and were thinking about it. And then it turned out they actually wanted the website because they were selling the business and they wanted it to look good. That was like the, the number one thing, which is a very right. different website probably right. uh, that you're going to build. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I liked the, uh, the idea of taking notes. Um, and, but I also thought given that so many of my meetings are online now, I'm probably going to have to put a book in front of me instead of a mechanical keyboard because the tick, 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 is probably going to be a bit distracting when I'm taking notes. Well, you can put, put it on mute, put it yeah. on mute when you're doing that. Right. Absolutely. Some people, um, I've heard uh, that they ask the prospect if it's okay if they take notes. I'm actually not a big fan of that. Yeah, right. I think you know it's 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 strange. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan. It's kind of like I would assume that you believe that if I'm listening to you, that I'm going to take some notes because I'm trying to understand more about what's important yeah. to you. And I want to go back to that at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so just yeah, I would just throw it on mute. And I understand about the. Yeah, downside of noise, downside of a mechanical keyboard. Um, yeah. It's like a new thing I'm trying. But uh, actually, total total side note here. I've just discovered that it's possible to make Zoom shortcuts global because this has always been an issue for me of like having to click back to Zoom and then unmute for exactly this reason. Yep. Um, turns out you can go into settings, change the setting. Alt A is mute. Um, you can make it global, so you can stay in whatever app you're doing and mute and unmute yourself from that. Oh, so yeah, handy. that's perfect. Yeah. The other the other potential is if you don't actually want to take notes and you really want to be um, intently listening, you could, of course, ask them if it's okay if you're recording that session and then take that recording and um, upload it mm -hmm. over to rev.com. And yep. I think it's like a dollar a minute or 25 cents a minute or something. You can have someone transcribe it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also use Otter. They, um, yeah, same they, thing. it's obviously not human translated. Rev is human. Um, mm -hmm. Temi and T E M I and Otter are both, um, 
like AI, AI transcriptions, yeah. which are mm-hmm. pretty good. You know, we use They're those. Decent. Yeah, I was actually uh, fitting actually because when you were talking about like the whys and understanding, I guess why people uh, want to work with you, whatever it, it it ties in a lot with copywriting, right? And it's something I've always struggled with because I I ex-engineer I think very much in ones and zeros so um, you know this conversation for me is kind of like it's difficult at, at the same time as like eye-opening in a way <laughs> you know like because uh, I have always struggled with these kind of things because I'm a ones and zeros like engineer type mind and I suspect many people listening to this would be in the same boat and that's why it's important to you know uncover those wise like to have a framework like the five wise or whatever and then uh to reflect that language back at them like that for someone like me that's the simplest way to look at this because it's like oh okay so this is what they said i just relate those things that they've said to our results you know and actually explicitly say the exact things that they've said in time you know sometimes and like it helps me connect the dots better is where I'm, where yeah. I'm going with this. So that could be yeah. helpful for some people yeah. listening. Good. Good. And I think that you're right. I think that most um, digital agency owners get into this space because they're practitioners, right? They start off as practitioners. Maybe they've joined another organization. Now they're going out on their own. They're in it three, four, five years. And, you know, things have been going okay, but there's a plateau that you hit and you're like, well, now what? I didn't really want to be managing people. I'm not great at sales, right? Especially if I'm a developer, I'm not really into like the whole sales people listening. Like I understand like ones and zeros, I get it. Um, But there are ways that are, um, I wouldn't say shortcuts necessarily, but ways that you can, you know, certainly practice this and, you know, just get better at really listening and understanding what the, the ultimate outcome is the question that I love to leave prospects with, um, even at just the discovery phase, is what would success look like for you? Like if we started working together, what would the outcome be in your mind that would be ideal that would signal to you that I've been successful in doing my job? I love asking that question because if they have a really good sense of what that looks like, that's great. That's probably how I'm going to end my cover letter when I go to pitch or, or yeah. end my last slide or whatever it is. Yeah, I love it. So just then you were, again, talking about different ways to practice this. Is this in addition to what we've already spoken about or is you kind of reflecting back on the same, just practice listening? Yeah, I think that's, that's probably part one. And then I would say when it comes to actually presenting and you know presenting your ideas or your capabilities or whatever the case may be, Um, you know, from that pitch perspective, I think there are a lot of agencies that suffer from what I call we syndrome. So they'll start out this pitch or this presentation and it's like, here's our philosophy. This is our approach. Here's our team. Here's all the work we've done for the last 10 years. And what it does is it really alienates that prospect, right? You've just had this discovery conversation with them maybe a few days ago or a week ago Give me all the homework. Give me all the mirroring back to let me as the prospect know you've heard me. You've done some homework after I've given you some information. Tell me then uh, in case study or narrative form how the closest case study or the, the closest example of someone just like me that you've helped, like tell me what their challenge was. Tell me how you helped them. Tell me what that relationship looks like. Give me their contact information so I can talk to them. 
right? I want to know what that experience was. If you do that, it's a whole different ballgame, right? And then when we get into the pricing um, and, you know, the whole, what is this actually going to cost in terms of the investment, that has less friction, because now there's a rapport that's been developed. And if I believe that I like who you are, you can help me, you're the go-to agency for what my needs are, um, I think that the pricing becomes less of a negotiation and more of just a transaction. I'm not saying that they're not going to push back on the pricing, but in that case, you would reduce the scope. You wouldn't just discount, you know, for no reason. Anyway, um, I think it makes the entire sales process, the entire business development process so much more seamless and smoother, and it actually shortens the sales cycle. Mm. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that. Um, and just on, on pricing, I feel like it shouldn't be a surprise anyway, right? Like if you have been asking the questions, you should know a bit about their budget and, and what it means, you know, what their uh, potential upside to their spend is, and you can anchor it against that, you know, like if you've been doing your job, then you should know these things and probably the pricing shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> Shouldn't be a surprise. It should definitely be talked about um, all the way at the front of the conversation, all the way at the discovery. There are a couple of things that I never get off of a discovery call without talking about. Money is one of them. Yeah. Because we should know if we're a good fit for each other. And part of that means financially, right? Mm. Um, you know, if, if they understand value and I understand my own value, if I'm the agency, um, that money conversation really shouldn't be uncomfortable. And money is a really difficult conversation for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That tells me a lot about the person who I'm talking to on the other end, how they approach that conversation, their comfort level with that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. It should be trickled in from the very beginning. And if it's brought up on every single conversation, that's even better. Yeah, absolutely. So something I've heard recently uh, you know, in fact, the previous episode, um, was very much about like sales people and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, th- one of the things talked about was getting on, like, instead of just sending the proposal, uh, to the client is actually jumping on a zoom with them to walk through the proposal. Does that fit in? Like, I feel like that fits in perfectly with what you're talking about okay. here. Just yeah. So, so that is definitely one of my uh, non-negotiables. When I'm working with an agency, they are not allowed to ever send a proposal outright. Never, never, never. It's always you're setting up the next call to walk through the proposal after you, you know, at the end of your yeah. either discovery call or wh- however many it takes in your sales cycle, because different agencies have different um, approaches to that. But let's say your first or second call with a prospect, you're getting to the point where you know you're putting the proposal together. Before you get off that last call, it's okay. Now, when when works for you? Let's pull out our calendars. What works for you in terms of reviewing this together? I'm good because I'm going to spend the time to put this together. I'm investing my time without any, you know, knowledge or, um, you know, obligation on your part to to choose me. But I'm hmm. going to spend some time putting this proposal together and really thinking through what might work um, in order to solve this problem that you have. So. Yeah, let's let's commit to one another, right? This is like yeah. we're just we're putting more and more trust, right? Like we're we're setting up ourselves for success on both parts. I'm I'm gonna do this for you. I'm asking for your time, right? I'm valuing your time. Let's do this. So putting that call together and then walking them through it, and then essentially just sending it to them after you get off the call. Yeah, nice. I'm I'm definitely uh, probably a pain in the ass for people that do that because like 
it's usually a time zone thing for me, right? Like I am one of the people that push back on those. Like I know it's it's like a good thing. And I mean, for listeners of the show, you've heard almost the same, um, I don't want to say strategy because it just seems so technical, but like the same like thing you should be doing from mm-hmm. two different guests. You know, the, the last episode we talked about like hiring sales, salespeople and, and you're more of the masculine energy style, I guess you would say, yep. uh, versus this. And yet- the the tip there is almost the same so well at the end of the day here's what that solves if you have a close rate of 50 percent now and you change this tactic your close rate will go up by 25 percent boom i can almost guarantee that because again if you're just sending a, a document online there's no ability for you to present who you are and, sh- and, and build that rapport, mm-hmm. build that trust. Listen, at the end of the day, if, if sales is all about people buying from those who they know, like, and trust, what opportunity do you have to show them mm. who you are if you're just sending something via email? Now you become one in a stack of 10 and they're just going to look at the investment section. Yeah, that was straight to pricing every That's time. That's it. That's yeah. it. So how can you provide your value? How can yeah. you explain that in a way where, you know, you can really, um, you know, just walk them through it in a way that makes them feel comfortable? Yeah. What, what what do you say to people like me who try to push back on not doing the call and just want to get sent the proposal? <laughs> oh, very simple. I'm not like a hard ass about it, but I just say we're not a good fit for one another because Boom. this is actually my process. Yeah. And I'm going to, I just, what I said to you before, I'm going to take the time to put this together and really think through this for you. On your end, I'm asking for your time, mm. right? So that we can come together and do this. It's collaboration. It's that feminine energy again. Mm. We're both coming to the table um, we're both trusting one another or trying to develop trust, trying to develop a relationship. If you can't even give me 15 minutes to walk you through a proposal, what makes you think that you're going to be an ideal client for me? Very and, good. And I'm yeah. not, again, I'm not being a hard ass about it, but that's something that is non-negotiable. Yeah, no, and, I, and that's I've actually had a couple of a couple of people um, over the last four years. I would say there were two people who pushed back on that, and that's okay. I have no no judgment about that. They're just not a good fit for me. Wow. Only two people in four years. That's uh, interesting. So I'm definitely in a minority there. <laughs> I always avoid calls. Uh, <laughs> that's just, just me. Well, put it know. this way. If, they, if it was important enough to you and Look, I got to your motivation and, and the yeah. why under your why, you'd take a call with me. Oh, yeah. And so what, what <laughs> would happen, I guarantee, is that you would say, well, like, it's just the way we work. Maybe we're not a good fit. And at that point, I'm probably going to go, yeah, okay, let's just do it. I'll fit it in. You know, like, guaranteed, right. that's how I would operate. It's like right. that initial pushback. I'm almost hesitant to say this to everyone listening because now someone will probably do it to me in the future when I push back and they'll <laughs> say, <laughs> I'll end up on the damn call. <laughs> whoever whoever pitches james next you're welcome <laughs> hey so something when you've been talking about just sales in general right it got me thinking yeah. about when an agency needs to scale and hire salespeople other than themselves how i imagine this process is a bit different you know than hiring a traditional salesperson how does it differ well, I'm actually a pretty big fan of um, fractional teams, like outsourced fractional sales mm-hmm. teams, um, especially for an, uh, an agency owner that has been doing sales themselves. 
and they're not really ready to hire somebody full-time to be their BDR or their sales representative internally. Um, a lot of them, to be honest with you, they really have this, this, I don't know where they get it from, but they're like, yeah, we'll just find some commission only sales rep. I'm like, those people don't exist. <laughs> and if they do exist, they're probably not any good. You have to pay people for their worth, right? You have to pay them for their time. And then they'll work as hard as they want to in order to, to get the commissions. I like the fractional sales team and I'm a huge fan of account-based marketing. So I have a couple of people in my, or agencies um, in my resource roster that focus on LinkedIn and um, warm and cold email to try to open up those conversations for the agencies. You know, it's, um, at the end of the day, it comes down to numbers, right? Like if you're gonna spend, let's say $5,000 US on a fractional sales team, well, they better be bringing in like, in my opinion, like $50,000 a month minimum. There's got to be a 10x return. Yeah, on totally. But how would you go about finding people that embody this philosophy, you know, versus traditional sales? Well, I think anyone who's <laughs> who's <laughs> successful at business right. development. Um, and the other thing is I'm talking about fractional sales teams that focus on working with agencies. You're talking about from the agency standpoint, not from the client standpoint, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So um, agencies that... Um, that, that only or exclusively work with other agencies as their outsourced sales teams. Those are the ones who, uh, the ones on my roster anyway, they, they know and embody this for sure. Yeah. In the language that they use, even on a simple LinkedIn connection request, that verbiage really matters, right? Yeah. It can't be, you know, you probably get them all day long. You get people that connect with you and it's all about them. And they're trying to sell you on the very first. It's like, no, you can't start a relationship like that. Would you Would you do that to someone you were interested in dating? No. You know, you have to bring that philosophy into the sales world. Yeah. LinkedIn's, uh, LinkedIn's just totally different right now. It's it's. I feel like it's become a, a pot of spam right now. It's just like, even when they are trying to talk about me, it's like you, they haven't got it right. <laughs> it's, it's just canned stuff. But yeah. Yeah. yeah well, Kelly, I think there's a lot to process here. Is there anything you think we should would cover before we uh, wrap this up? Well, I think, you know, the landscape that we're in now is very uncertain, right? Like none of us, we've all been through different things, but this is, this is a whole different ballgame. This is a new world. And I think we need to really think about connecting with one another in different ways. And I think, you know, it really does come down to fostering those relationships. Um, I just had a call a little earlier today with um, an agency owner who I've been working with on multiple different things over the course of the last couple of years. You know, and she was really talking about how um, at her agency, she she's struggling. You know, their, their revenue is down by a certain amount um, compared to last year. And she's struggling and she's really in this situation where things are a little unstable, right? And it's all about like, how do you stabilize? How do you figure out the things that are important to your agency so you can keep afloat, but also like for the agency leader themselves? Um, what are the things, the daily practices, who are they talking to? How, how are they sharing their experiences with their team or their spouses or their agency coaches or whomever it is? I think we have to um, connect on the premise of vulnerability, 
right? And this also lends itself to business development in a way, because if you sent me an email and you were trying to do business with me and your opening line was like, listen, um, I know we're all working from home. We've been doing that for six or seven months, right? Or some of us for our entire careers, but how are you doing, right? Like for me, maybe it's difficult because I've got my kids running around and I, now I have to homeschool them. And like, this is the, the situation in my life. I'm wondering how you're doing, like as an individual, as a fellow human, if you started the conversation that way and didn't necessarily go straight for the jugular with the, with the sale, right? In that initial email, I'm more apt to respond to you. And so, you know, I do think it's, it's really about connection and understanding that we have no idea what other people are going through. We have no idea if, if our um, people that we're communicating with have lost a loved one because of COVID or um, maybe their revenues are down because they need to spend more time with their kids who are now, you know, schooling from home. Whatever the case may be, I think we just have to level set a little bit on um, understanding that we, they're really, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we are all the same. And we are not businesses doing business with other businesses. We're just people doing business with each other, right? Oh, and yeah. I know that sort of has gotten lost over the course of time. Um, it's why I really don't love the term B2B. I think it's a misnomer. I think we have to get rid of it. You know? P2P? It's, <laughs> yeah, P2P or H2H. I mean, what, whatever. Yeah, yeah, H2H. H2H. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah. P2P is yeah. bloody torrenting, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> H to H, yeah. One of my uh, good friends and business coach talks about H to H a lot. Yeah, it's, um, it is. It's what it's like now. Yeah, but I don't think we have an option. Is what I'm yeah. saying. And we're not going back. Thank God, we're not going back to what the what normal used to look like, because um, clearly that wasn't working. So now we have to figure out what makes the most sense for each of us, and you know what kind of relationships i guess that's the question i would leave everyone with is like what kind of relationships and what kind of clients and what kind of teams do you want to create going forward because we mm. have an opportunity to do that now absolutely so it's, it's a great note to end on kelly i just want to leave people with uh something that they can go and like sort of take this further i guess uh and i see you have a pitch guide available could you walk through what people get in that yeah, sure. So that pitch guide, I came out with that about a month or so ago. Um, it's on my website as a free downloadable resource. And um, it essentially talks a lot about what we've covered here today, which is using this more feminine approach, more feminine language. Um, it talks about how to structure your actual pitch uh, so that you're not so that you're eradicating the we syndrome as opposed <laughs> to you know being part of the problem. And um, yeah, so, you know, if that's could be helpful to your agency, go ahead and download that. Um, that's just on my website. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, you can go to klcampbell.com and you'll see it in the header there, but it's also at slash pitch guide. This will be linked up in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash 115. So that's, it might be a bit easier to remember if you are driving right now. Uh, yeah, don't, don't go to klcampbell.com slash pitch guide while you're driving. <laughs> regardless of which which side of the road you're driving on yeah <laughs> right uh, well kelly this was a really uh nice pleasant change of pace for me so um thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing good thank you so much for having me this was really fun discover how to grow your agency earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com 
Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.